Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad you joined us either in person or online. We're going to finish up our For Our City uh, series today. And today's tap topic is tackling the tough stuff. So I want to start with a question. Have we become numb to the needs around us? Uh, the needs are just seem endless, whether it's uh, the homeless, the hungry, the sick, the addicted, um, uh, ch children without parents, um, global scale, scale of sex trafficking and world hunger, all these things. And we can get this sensory overload, it just, we can't handle it anymore, we just get overwhelmed and it becomes almost like white noise. Uh, it's not impacting, it's not affecting us anymore. And one of the reasons is we think, well, I'm just one person, what can I do? So that's my second question. <clears throat> what can we do to meet these needs? What can I do, what can we do as a church to meet these needs? And I like this, this perspective. Do for one that which you wish you could do for all. So I can help, you know, a sick person or one addict or maybe... Uh, be a foster parent to a child without a home, um, whatever it might be, feed a hungry person. I can do that. And if we all did one, then many of these needs would be met. <clears throat> now the problem is if we're on the other side of this, if we're on the side of need, it's easy for us to get to the place of, of uh, hopelessness, uh, feeling of, it's not fair, feeling of revenge and bitterness and hatred. Um, and that's the exact audience that Jesus was talking to. And we've been looking at what Matthew wrote, Jesus' original teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, teaching on the Mount. <clears throat> and his audience, the Jewish community he was speaking to, they were basically slaves to the Roman Empire. The occupation by the Roman army could force them to do about anything they wanted, rape and pillage, and they had no way to get back, get even, defend themselves even. So there was this poison of rebellion, revolt, uh, revenge in his audience. Yet Jesus was teaching this radical message, and we're going to finish it up today, where he basically did tell them to be, do things that were counterintuitive. Do things that weren't natural. And today's is going to be the most, I believe, the most extreme in the list. Last week we talked about persecution, uh, peace, and it makes sense to try and be a peacemaker. Um, but they also wanted to, him to throw the Romans off and set up an earthly kingdom. And Jesus kept saying, no, my kingdom is a different kingdom, and it operates differently. And that's critical for you and I to understand. Um, <clears throat> So we're going to look at this last beatitude, this biggest beatitude. It actually covers three verses, and it's really um, counterintuitive. It's really not the way we operate or naturally think. <clears throat> so it's in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 10. All these beatitudes or beautiful attitudes or attitudes to be start with God blesses or your uh, blessed, or you're um, happy, uh, or you have joy if you do these things. So this one is, like I say, radical. 
God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Now, it's really important to understand, sometimes we get persecuted for doing wrong things, doing stupid things, dumb things. We said, no, no, there's no necessary blessing for that. But it's a blessing for being persecuted for doing what is right. What is right is all these things we talked about, being peacemakers and seeking after righteousness and etc. For the kingdom of heaven, not kingdom of earth, is theirs. And the next verse says, God blesses, again, <laughs> you when people mock you and persecute you, there's that word again, lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Again, not because we do stupid stuff, but because, just because I'm a Jesus follower. If you're not a Jesus follower, you don't have to worry about this. And we're glad that you're listening. Uh, I think there's much you can benefit from this. But if you're a Jesus follower, he's even saying expect it. Now, how, how does persecution and being mocked and lied about, how does that bless us? So I'm going to give you a few suggestions. If you've got some, um, please share them with me. I'd like, to, I'd like to hear it. For one, it certainly brings clarity to life, doesn't it? You really have to decide, do I really want to be a Jesus follower? Am I really am a Jesus follower? What do I believe? Because it's not easy believing what I believe. It's not easy following Jesus. Secondly, it strengthens your faith. It's like muscles need to be worked out. Our faith needs to be worked out. And it's really, faith doesn't grow much in easy times, good times. It mostly grows in difficult times. <clears throat> so it strengthens our faith. And something he's going to get, get to here in the next verse is we become an example. An example of the difference it makes being a Jesus follower. Because everybody gets, life is tough. So the next verse, and we're just going to read it now and talk about it later, uh, goes to extreme. All right, here we are. Persecuted, persecuted, what blessing is that? Be happy about it. Be very glad. How do you do that? Well, I guess there's a couple of motivations, if you will. It says, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Okay, it's tough now but it's going to get better. In fact, eternity is going to be a whole lot better. And in reality, this life, this isn't real life. Real life is eternal life. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So, this is our instruction. So, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love those who don't deserve it. The ones that treat us badly. The ones that persecute us. Um, the ones that are seeking revenge against us. We cannot retaliate and seek revenge back. Jesus is talking about a heart issue. He's not talking about a political issue. He's talking about a personal issue, a spiritual issue that he, he wants to do a, a work inside of us, a heart work, if you will. <clears throat> so my natural response is, how is this even humanly possible? How is this kind of response? humanly possible? And the answer is, next slide, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not humanly possible not to seek revenge when people are treating us unkindly and persecuting us. Natural response is to lash out, to push back, 
So <clears throat> how is it possible, I'm going to just use the word, to respond in love to the unloving? In fact, the ones that are evil, the ones that are persecuting us. How are it possible to respond? Now, the simple principle is you can't give something you don't have. Say you come to me and say, hey, um, I need a million bucks. And I say, sorry. <laughs> if I had a million bucks to give away, maybe I'd give it to you, maybe not. But I certainly don't have it. Well, same thing here. If we don't have a heart transformation, we can't forgive those who treat us badly. We can't respond in love. So let me back up for a minute here, and this will apply to all of us, but especially if you're not a Jesus follower at this point. The foundation or the starting point is to receive forgiveness I don't deserve. And I love the story about a man who uh, and his son, eight or nine-year-old son, they're driving in a in the country, on a country road in the springtime, and a bee flies in the window. Most of the time we keep our windows up now with air conditioning, but the, the windows were down, the bee flew in, and the child was allergic to bee stings. And so he's freaking out, and his dad sees this, of course, and so his dad takes and grabs the bee with his hand. So it waits a few, few minutes, or a few seconds, five or ten seconds, excuse me, then lets the bee go. Kid starts freaking out again. Then his dad says, son, you can relax. Look at my hand. The stinger's in my hand. I've taken the poison for you. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Or Jesus says, look at the nail prints in my hand. I was nailed on a cross for you. I took the sting of death, as Paul describes it. Death, where's your sting? There is no sting of death to those that are Jesus followers. Uh, we just lost a couple of weeks ago a dear saint in our church, Brenda. There, death was not a sting to her. It is for us that miss her and her husband Joe especially. But death is not, it's the next step to, to uh, eternity with Jesus. So if Jesus is your king, if you're in his kingdom, things operate differently, just like this list of Beatitudes, and we need to receive that forgiveness. So it's offered to everyone. It's free. God will adopt you into your family if you trust Him, and you don't need to fear death. Your eternal life starts then, and that's what Jesus followed who already started our eternal life, because our sins have been forgiven. So, Consequently, that's where you need to start. Now, assuming that your sins are forgiven, that you're in relationship with God, then this is possible. In fact, we are ordered to do this. So we, consequently, are forgive those who don't deserve it. I don't know who that is in your life. Um, who is it in your life you believe doesn't deserve to be forgiven? Uh, later on in the middle of this um, quote-unquote Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Most people know that often by heart. But I'm always a little tickled when, when people repeat this because I don't think they realize what they're saying. 
this 12th verse. I don't think most people realize what they're saying. Saying, okay, uh, my Heavenly Father, and forgive me my sins as I have forgiven those who sin against me. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't want to pray that prayer when I have unforgiveness in my heart. Let me ask you a question. Does God's forgiveness have a limit? He'll forgive you to this certain point, and that caps it off there. (laughs) Okay, so if he has, there's no cap to God's forgiveness, there can't be any cap to our forgiveness. Put on the outline this way. We're talking about grace, getting what you don't deserve, forgiveness. If you calculate your grace, if it has a limit, it's not grace. (laughs) Because grace is all-encompassing, limitless. So another way of saying this is forgiveness is waiving the right for payback. Waiving the right for payback. Maybe you deserve to get back at that person. They treated you unkindly. They were, they treated you, uh, persecuted you for no good reason. Um, if we are asking for payback to someone that's offended us, do we want God to ask for payback for us offending him? So that's the way we need to think about this. And he's going to turn around the other way here in a minute. We're going to see. So how do you practically do this? And we've talked about this before. When we're instructed to do something that doesn't come natural, that we don't feel like we want to do, or even feel like we can do, here's what we do. Um, You first make a decision, okay? I'm supposed to forgive everybody everything. So that's my decision. Do I feel like it? No. (laughs) Do they deserve it? Maybe not. But I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to follow it up by acting as if I've forgiven them, even if I don't feel it. Because feelings will follow actions. It's really hard to feel your way into an action. But you can act yourself into a feeling. So that's what you need to do with forgiveness. And so... You go through this decision process, this mental exercise, and you forgive them, and maybe it still hurts. You do it again. Eventually, as you follow that decision with an action, the feelings will follow. Jesus tells this kind of frightening parable to those of us who are Jesus followers. He tells us it's a story, and Jesus says, this guy owes his master like a million bucks and he can't pay it. And he's standing before his master and he's pleading, forgive me, I can't pay you. He should be in prison the rest of his life. And the master says, I'll be merciful to you. I'll forgive your whole debt. Not just give him more time, he just give the whole debt, a million bucks. Now, I don't know about you, how would you be feeling if somebody forgave you that? So the story goes on, this guy gets home and he has somebody that owes him like 20 bucks. And he demands his person, I demand you pay me that 20 bucks you owe me. Anyway, this gets back to his master, and the master calls him back and says, hey, <laughs> didn't I just forgive you a million bucks? And you're demanding payment of $20? And he said, throws him into prison. Another time Jesus was asked by Peter, how many times should I forgive? And Law says three times, so Peter says seven for some whatever reason. Doubled it plus one. 
And Jesus said, Peter, you don't understand. Seventy times seven. Which means, it's what? Limitless. We don't cap our forgiveness of others because God doesn't cap His forgiveness of us. So after Jesus prayed that Lord's Prayer, included that line, forgive me as I forgive those who sin against me, He goes on and He explains a little bit more in verses 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. So this is a conditional statement. It means if you do this, then this will happen. If you don't do this, this won't happen. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I have a theological issue with this, problem with this. I don't believe my, God's forgiveness of me is based on my forgiveness of others. So I'm trying to figure this out. One way it makes sense to me is this. It shows my true heart. I may think I'm a Jesus follower, but if I can't forgive others, then maybe I'm not. Because I'm like that guy that wouldn't forgive the guy 20 bucks after he had to receive this million-dollar forgiveness. And we're instructing, I believe Paul wrote this, as forgive one another as God has forgiven you. That's totally unconditional. Well, that's my marching orders. That's my instructions. What I must do as a Jesus follower. And what happens is forgiveness frees and heals us. It sets us free from the poison of revenge and bitterness, and it heals us. Um, we can be, be free. I don't have the next slide, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Where are we going next? All right. It's a video. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, there's lots of amazing examples of forgiveness. One of my favorites, and I've shared this before, by Louis Zapparino. He was an Olympic athlete before the Second World War in uh, running events. Anyway, World War II comes along. He's in the Air Force. He gets shot down in the South Pacific. Spends, I think it's like 60 days in a raft, survives that, and gets put in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And if you've seen the movie Unbroken or read the book, the book is excellent. Um, he is treated horribly in his concentration camp, especially by this the head, head, head person of, of his persecution or beatings and so forth. And I'm going to show you a short clip. He's called The Bird. Uh, this guy that was took it upon himself to try and break uh, Louis. Well, as it turns out, eventually the war is over, and he gets released. He comes home, and he's not a Jesus follower at this point in his life, and he's eaten up with revenge and bitterness, becomes an alcoholic, and almost ruins his marriage. And then uh, his wife is a Jesus follower and invites him to go with her to a Billy Graham crusade. This was way back in the like in the 50s. And he goes with her. And he becomes a Jesus follower. And the clip I'm going to show you is years later, he's going to at a Billy Graham crusade as a speaker. And it's just a short clip sharing about the transformation in his life, becoming a Jesus follower, and how he came to forgive. When you went back to Japan, you, you shared the gospel with some of the very guards that mistreated you and you wanted to meet the bird but you were told the bird was dead. He wasn't. 
But you didn't know that at the no, time. But you wrote him a letter. Do you have that letter with you? I, I, yeah, I brought it with me. This is the letter that Louis wrote to the bird. You want me to read it? Yo, would you okay. read it, please? <laughs> okay. This is to Master Cyril Watanabe. As a result of my prisoner of war experience under your unwarranted and original punishment, my post-war life became a nightmare. I, it was not so much due to the pain and suffering as it was to the tension of stress and humiliation that caused me to hate with a vengeance. Under your discipline, my rights not only as a prisoner but also as a human being were stripped from me. It was a struggle to maintain enough dignity and hope to live under the war's end. The post-war nightmares caused my life to crumble, but thanks to a confrontation with God through the evangelist Billy Graham, I committed my life to Christ. Love replaced the hate I had for you, and Christ even said, forgive your enemies and pray for them. As you probably know, I returned to Japan in 1952 and was graciously allowed to address all the Japanese war criminals at Tsugamo Prison. I asked them about you and was told that you probably had committed harakiri, which I was sad to hear. At that moment, like the others, I also forgave you, and now I would hope that you would also become a Christian. Amen. That's uh, forgiveness. I don't think any of us have been treated that badly by anyone. But he said his hate was turned into love by his relationship with Jesus. And um, so I don't know what... We're going black. I don't know what you haven't, haven't uh, been able to forgive in your life. Um, but take, the, take a lesson from Jesus and from Louis. Because Jesus on the cross, what did, he, what did he say? One of the things he said was what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so when this person has done whatever they've done to you, or this government, whatever it might be, maybe they didn't know what they were doing. It doesn't really matter. Our mandate is we must forgive. Because we've been forgiven much. It should be easy for us to forgive a little. So give to those who don't deserve it. So Louis referred to this, loving your enemies, in his, in his little talk. This is in this follow-up verses here in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 43. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, no, no, we're, this is different kingdom, different operating rules. Love your enemies. How do you do that? Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as children of your Father in heaven. For He gives the sunlight to both the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the just and the unjust. It's interesting, isn't it? As a Jesus follower, our life isn't any easier than anybody else's. Uh, a, a, Jesus, a farmer that's a Jesus follower, his crops will necessarily grow better than a farmer that's not. God has His general mercy, shows, or grace He shows to everyone. But we're supposed to show extra measure of grace and mercy. And he makes it even a little more 
poignant in the next two verses. He says it this way, if you love only those who love you, what reward is that for that? That's easy to do. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. So we're instructed to overcome evil with good. We are to be different, not we are different. That's the way we turn people off uh, to being Jesus followers. But we need to be different in our love and our grace and our mercy and our forgiveness. We need to be supernatural in that in a way that gets people's attention. How how can you forgive that person after they treated you that way? Jesus told me to. Jesus forgave me that. And he gave us one specific thing to do in this passage, and that's how to do this, by praying for them. Can you truly pray for that person that has persecuted you? Truly love them, praying what's best for them? That's not always easy to do. In fact, that's the challenge. And that's the place you and I need to get to, whatever that person is, whatever they've done to us. Is it? I, I want the best, what's best for them. <clears throat> and lastly, let's celebrate together with those who don't deserve it. <laughs> uh, kind of counterintuitive again, counterculture. Celebrate? Why celebrate? And the answer is, we've already been told. Why? Because we've been forgiven. No matter what happens in this life, no matter how people treat me, this holy God has forgiven me. I have a relationship with Him that started that point of salvation, accepting the gift, and goes on to eternity. So we are to celebrate because we are forgiven. I have a new heart, a changed heart. Uh, again, Louis said, you know, my hate was turned to love. I can't manufacture that. God's going to do that work in my heart. So let me read that verse again, verse 12. Let's be happy about it. Be very glad. A great reward awaits you in heaven. All right, that's one reason. No matter if you live to be 100, this life is pretty short. I've got somebody here who's 90 this morning. <laughs> um, life is short, but eternity goes forever. So be glad that you have this reward awaiting you. And interesting, remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So we're in good company, right? Jeremiah and Isaiah. And of course, the greatest prophet, Jesus, he's teaching this, but we're post-Jesus, so it makes us like Jesus, persecuted unjustly. Now, most of you listening have heard me speak long enough to know I've ran what's called ultra-marathons, like 50-mile races. And some people here have run that. And it gets really painful, you know, after... Anyway... So when you get that last tenth of a mile and you can see the finish line and your body's racked with pain, you can begin to smile. Why? Because you can see the finish line. You're almost there. You know you've made it. So Jesus followers, no matter if we're 90 or if you're a teenager, uh, the finish line will be here soon. And you can have the joy and be happy because you know you've made it. So, imagine if we forgave and gave to those we think. Now, notice that we think because we don't always know correctly. 
who we think least deserve it. I have a little thing on my desk, off, in my office in my desk in my office, and it says, but by the grace of God. And this helps me to do this. But by the grace of God, I would be a sex trafficker. I would be a drug addict or a drug dealer. I would be, you know, an abusive parent that my kids were taken away from or whatever it might be, abortion doctor. I don't know. I don't know what bothers you the most. But by the grace of God, I could be that person. So consequently, since I'm not, God has spared me from that. God's forgiven me from the stuff that I have done, then I should be able to love and show grace to the quote-unquote worst sinners out there because I am no different than they are. Let me give you a think about to whom in our community should you be generous? Now, the answer is to everybody, obviously. No, no. Who specifically? Who in your life do you need to be generous to? And then the flip side is this. How can you and I, we celebrate and be glad for all that God has done and is doing for you? And I would suggest to you and challenge you to say, I've been forgiven a million bucks. I've forgiven all my sins. No matter how bad they are, how many they are, God's forgiven them all. He's taken that sting of death away from me. I don't need to fear death. And Jesus follows, you don't need to fear death. So if you're listening this morning and you're afraid of death, that's a great sign that you need to become a Jesus follower and claim Jesus' salvation for you. This gift is free, totally free. All you have to do is accept it, adopt you and his family. You no longer fear death because you're assured eternity in heaven with Jesus. So I'm going to close with a prayer, and I'm especially going to pray for you if you're in that situation where you're still fearing death. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these instructions of Jesus, impossible to do in our own strength. We want revenge. So God, we pray for those folks that aren't Jesus followers, or maybe they don't understand what it means to be a Jesus follower. And a good sign is that they fear death. So God, we pray that you would give them that understanding, that you would give them the faith to believe. Death is nothing to be feared. Jesus has taken the sting and the poison of death if we accept his gift, his sacrificial gift, and his conquering death by raising from the dead. Um, you don't need to know any more than that. You don't even need a voice or prayer. Just say, yes, I believe. That transformation can take place in your life. And you'll be given a new heart. And this new heart, you'll be able to forgive the unforgivable. But God, even those who have been Jesus followers a long time, it gets, it, it's not easy. <laughs> and so help us to keep that perspective. That I have been forgiven greatly. I should be able to forgive whatever else might come along. So God, help us to do that. Help us to be different. Help us to forgive the unforgivable. And people will see that. How, how do you do that? Well, that's because Jesus has transformed me. And that Jesus can be your Lord and Savior also. Give us opportunities to share our faith and to be different in, in, in love and grace and mercy so that people will, will be attracted to you, God. 
They were attracted to Jesus. They should be attracted to us as the church and Jesus followers. We thank you for that wonderful ministry we have to be your representatives here on earth. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.